RadioInfluence.com. everyone and welcome to the monday edition of the dark delight podcast with ricky val on the drums and beans tis monday frank and we had a hell of a busy weekend this weekend yes lots of stuff happened i don't know what you've caught on and what you haven't i've just been watching things on twitter and i've just been checking out the uh the headlines um I, I saw that we're talking a little bit about Carrie Lake tonight. I can't wait, or this morning, I can't wait to get a little bit of a uh, a fill in on that. That was something, and um, it all it's all of these things. They're separate, and really, honestly, very separate. Like they're in their own individualized buckets. God bless you. But they're they're somebody in my oh. office sneezed. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I did. Tracy, I didn't sneeze. <laughs> I was supposed to sneeze this morning, but it wouldn't come out. It's annoying. Um, they're all in their own individualized buckets, Frank. But they are intertwined and and organically so. It's not like this is happening on purpose. So it's super interesting. Um, it's like a melding of the the worlds. Very strange. So we'll, we'll dive into Carrie Lake to start because I spent all of Saturday threading this lawsuit out on Truth Social and Telegram. Now, Fincham and Hamade both have lawsuits as well that they filed. So I have to do Fincham's and Hamade's lawsuit, but Carrie Lake's was the first one I chose. And it's something. So... They go through all the things we've already talked about, you know, the machines, the tabulator errors, how big of a percentage those things were actually. The fact that the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors report that they put out was complete bunk. Um, but things in here that nobody realized before, there's a couple. They have a whistleblower from Runbeck. Runbeck is the company that provides the paper to print the ballots. Runbeck okay. also is a contractor that scans early votes, like um, vote by mail and early voting, like Dropbox voting. They scan them in and then they send them back to Maricopa County electronically for them to do their signature verification. So Maricopa County grabs up all the Dropbox stuff, brings it to them, they scan the envelopes, they scan the votes, and then Maricopa County gets that file, and then Maricopa County uses that to do their signature verification, and then they tell Runbeck what's left or what didn't match up or what did, and then Runbeck sends the paper physical ballot back to them. No way that could get any, any there could be any fraud in, in that process at all, I'm sure. No. I mean, come on. Like, Not at all. Seriously. So that happens daily. They, they pick all this stuff up. Um, but the thing that happened during this election is, well, once, once the signature matching happens, the voter has five days to cure their vote if it didn't match up. Like, so what they're supposed to do is reach out to the people who had mismatched signatures or didn't have a proper signature, tell them there's a problem with your ballot. You have to come in and cure it yourself. Then they go in and do that, and then they can move on through the process. But what was happening were a couple of things. 
number one, the people at the at the location that are verifying these signatures, they the the level one folks would kick back something like forty three to forty five percent of the ballots because they didn't signature match properly. What whistleblowers from within that department, there's only 20 of them, three of them stepped forward to talk on this, to speak on in an affidavit on this lawsuit. They were giving out these approved sticker things that they use to affix to ballots where the signature has been approved after it was rejected or approved in general. And they were giving out buckets of these stickers to the two and three level of this group that does the work and then telling them, you can just stick this on there don't worry about signing it or anything like that. Just date it. So what they're supposed to do is sign their name and explain, you know, who they are and why they approved it and stuff. But Maricopa County decided that that level wasn't necessary. So level one is rejecting all these signatures. Then level two and three will go in and then try and figure out if their signatures actually really match. And if they don't, then they are they are moved to cure for them to try and cure. If they do match, then they just move on through the process. But what ends up happening is that the tier one people, if they kick stuff back, will end up getting those back to go through them one more time. And the tier one people weren't getting any of those kicked back ballots. They were only getting a stack like this thick instead of like this thick, like they should. So basically what happened is the tier two and the tier three group of signature matching people just slapped these red stickers on everything and let all these mismatched signature ballots go through. And this is all mail-in voting. So you understand what's going on here. Yeah, it's they, a mess. It, Absolutely. They, it's it's terrible. They reviewed um, in 2020. This is something else I didn't know that happened. There is a group called um, WPAA which is a private group that had a whole bunch of experts on it that were appointed by Ken um, what's his name? Um, um, the guy who was running the, the former secretary of state in Arizona that ran the audit in 2020. Oh, I forget his, I forget. Bennett, Bennett is his name, I think. I, 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 I don't think I ever knew. Um, someone's going to tell me in the chat, but I'm not looking at it right now. Anyway, long story short, this group came to a group of senators in, 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 in Arizona and said, we've got a lot of really big problems here. Look at these irreg irregularities that we found. And then the Maricopa County, um, I'm sorry, the senators in Arizona, I didn't even know this was happening, said here, here's this, this drive that has all of these signatures on it because of what was subpoenaed for the 2020 audit. Do a comparison and see what's going on with these signatures then versus now, or like how you can rectify this. This was in June of 2022 that this happened. Okay. They looked at those signatures. They looked at the ballots. Of They reviewed 230,000 of them from Maricopa County. 18,022 had egregious signature mismatches. When proportioned out, that represents potentially 156,000 ballot envelopes with egregious mismatch of signature. What was the margin of victory for Joe Biden in Arizona? Oh, weren't we talking another 10,000 or so? So 13,000, what was it? It was something ridiculously small. But if you look at 156,000 ballots, with potential mismatched signatures that they have the opportunity to cure those, but if they're not cured, don't count. You can't vote them. They're not legitimate. 
What happens in that election? 19,631 failed the standards, the Secretary of State standards. Extrapolating that out in 2020 would mean 165,000 ballots would fail the standards. Maricopa County in 2020 rejected only 587. How is that, that? Yeah, that you see, those are the little tiny things. Those are the little tiny numbers and figures that are 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 always the most telling to me. The little things that you just you, you know, not possible, especially for districts and counties that are as populous as Maricopa. It's 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 terrible. And that's not it. I mean, there's so much more here. They did the same thing for 2022 because the full voter file wasn't there yet and ready yet. But. The same thing was happening, obviously, for the 2022 election. Um, these three, again, they were rejecting 30%, these three whistleblowers, for signature, the signature match portion. They were rejecting 30%, but would only see a 1,000 or so ballots come back for curing when that should have been, you know, a scale much higher than that, given how many they were rejecting. They should have had stacks of ballots back with them. So. Right. The only explanation is that the level two folks were approving the level one's rejections, slapping those red stickers on them, sending them on their way, and then the level one people never got them back again. And they just were counted as votes, whatever they said. Then they, they employed, a, just Maricopa County, brought in a third-party contractor called Star Center to cure ballots. No observers were there. Nobody knew that that was going on. They were just curing ballots with this contractor and there were no observers from either party there against the law. Just it's against the law. Like they're, they're, it's against the law. Then the run back whistleblower, I'm just looking for, they have the text messages also from the technicians that were going around trying to fix these printer issues the day of voting. And this, they, this, is when we were, this is when we were getting headlines about there being early morning problems. Right. Yeah. Right. And so they're running around. One of them says, what's the current record for T-Tech mileage on Election Day? Because I'm at 166 miles. Think about that. Think about how much driving he did in one day to fix printers at election sites. Um, wow. Crazy. Then. 160, wow. 166 miles. And that's that's basically just probably just driving back and forth, back and forth to all different places. Yes. Yes. Now. They go through how long it took to vote, how people were disenfranchised, blah, 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 and all this stuff. Um, they bring in Carrie Lake, I'm sorry, uh, Katie Hobbs, going to Twitter with Richer from Maricopa County in 2020 and asking them to remove tweets through CISA, like we've been talking about. So the CISA help desk would take uh, Katie Hobbs' suggestion that somebody was tweeting something that was misdis or malinformation and they didn't want it there anymore. That That's in the, the Carrie Lake lawsuit and we got that through the Missouri v. Biden case. So there's your first kind of parallel. Um, they literally say that the, the problems on election day were intentional. They say it was criminal and intentional. Um, they have experts that come in that have been working for EAC that say that, you know, there's no way that this could have happened unless it was intentional. Um, it puts 300,000 ballots into question, which is far greater than the 17,000 that Carrie Lake lost by, in quotes. But that's all they need. But here is the whistleblower from, from Rumbeck. 
There is no chain of custody for 300,000 votes. We know this because there's a very finite process that needs to be followed when you're bringing these ballots back and forth so you have chain of custody for the ballots. Maricopa County had to call Runbeck to find out how many early votes they had. So Maricopa County didn't even know for themselves how many people early voted. They had to call Runback and ask them how many people early voted. And Runback had to tell them how many. That, this, none of that makes any sense. That's just blatantly ridiculous. Then, the, <laughs> there's, no, there's no paper that, that tracks these ballots and the batches and anything. Like they don't have any chain of custody for these, which is illegal. Again, it's illegal to not have chain of custody. How do you ever know? And then they bring up to this, this little tidbit, which really struck home for me. Katie Hobbs threatens the board of supervisors with arrest if they don't certify the election. Her own, her own election. If you don't make me governor, I'm going to arrest you. Pretty much. You're not well, allowed to not certify. Where now, as far as these lawsuits go, who is uh, where are they going to be heard? The, the Supreme Court, uh, the, the Arizona Supreme Court, they're, they're looking in, for they're in Arizona court right now, yeah, okay, state. And and what, what are their what's the 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 hope, the hopeful um outcome on this? So they're, they're trying to to force election law change or or they're they're trying to actually, I hear the, the baby talking to a microphone upstairs, you hear that. No, I heard thunder, though, or something. That's not thunder. That's the blowtorch I'm sitting next to. <laughs> so See, so, so what, what, what are they trying to get out of this uh, lawsuit? This lawsuit, yeah. There's a 10-count lawsuit. There's 10 different violations that they're alleging. The demand for relief is as follows. They want an opportunity to inspect the ballots from 2022, including the signature envelopes and the signatures prior to trial. They want a root cause analysis and forensic examination into the causes and extent of the printer tabulator problems on election day. They want a trial of all disputed factual issues and order striking all signatures on file with Maricopa County that aren't the that aren't in the registration record and order striking any invalid ballots or types of ballots on an absolute or prorated basis. In order, setting aside the certified result of the 2022 gubernatorial election and declaring Carrie Lake is the winner. In the alternative, they want an order vacating the certified results of the election in the gubernatorial election um, and an injunction requiring that Maricopa County reconduct the election in conformance with all applicable law and excluding. Yeah, they want to redo or. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Recusal of defendants Hobbs and Richer from further participation in matters involving the 2022 election, including any new election and the review of any issues related to the election. That's that's very extreme remedy, but it calls for extreme remedy, Frank. Yeah, it, this can't you, you just can't trust anybody to have any kind of uh, integrity with this stuff anymore. You can't do it. You can't trust anyone. Uh, it doesn't matter who the party affiliation is, what's at stake. They, they cannot you, you can someone like Katie Hobbs cannot be in the position that she's in. No. And you know what? People people rightfully myself included. Do I do I think that a judge is going to grant that relief like it, at most, if you had an honest judge, you would get a temporary injunction on or on on it all. Like, stop everything. Don't move forward anymore. Quit everything right now. Let's figure this out. 
Elias is all over social media saying how absolutely stupid and ridiculous this lawsuit is. It's worse than the Kraken lawsuits, blah, blah, blah. That's ab that's actually bullshit. Bull? Because let me tell you why. They have over 200 employees, poll workers, whistleblowers from contractors. You know, they have people that actually worked, worked the process, not just, and, and voters. But it's, it's not a case of what we were doing in 2020 where we were like frantically searching for anybody of credibility to step forward and put their name on an affidavit, right? They, well, did, in 2020, then wasn't there like oh, well over 10,000 at sworn affidavits? There were, yes, there were, but very few. Like they never had anyone from the paper company, for goodness sakes. That would have been the key to everything in 2020. So it's just different. It's the caliber of people seems different. What do I think is going to happen? Honestly, I err towards nothing. Sadly, but the lawsuit is backed up pretty strongly with facts and data. It's a good lawsuit. If there is a judge that is worth his salt, any judge that looks at this, it has to be like, holy crap, it's documented. It's not in dispute. Like the things they're saying aren't being disputed by anyone. So if they get what they want, there's go there, there would be a redo of just the voting in Maricopa County. It doesn't or it would specify. be or it would be, it would be statewide. I don't. It doesn't really specify. I'm not sure. I don't want to answer that question because I don't know for sure. They're, I mean, they're looking. Yeah, it looks like they're looking for Maricopa County to redo the election, but vacating the, the gubernatorial results completely. So because of Maricopa County, the whole the whole thing is is a mess. So there's that. Now, again, Fincham and... Hamade, AG, both have lawsuits. I have not read them yet, but I will um, and thread them out like this one. And there's more. I have a column coming out today on this um, where Adam Carter breaks down something that Barris was talking about over the weekend, Frank. Okay. With a heat map that he had found or somebody had found in the Maricopa County or in MCTC, the vote counting center that shows... Basically, where all the Republican hotspots are and only the Republican hotspots. Why would you need that? Why? Because they need to know where to concentrate their efforts. Mm. This <sighs> needs to stop. I mean, this needs to stop. This is insane at this point. But listen, what's worse, what's most insane, what makes me so much matter Something makes is me that the uh, it seems the only way, the, the best way to diffuse all this stuff and for them to just put it all behind them is for them to quirk their brow, go, uh, okay, nothing burger, and walk away. And it seems to work. Adam Carter says, in 1927, the Arizona Supreme Court set aside the Arizona governor election and declared the plaintiff who lost the certification the winner. Well, there's precedent. In 1927? 1927. Wow. Almost 100 years later, why not? Let's do it again. Because she won, Frank. She won. That this is not some... It just pisses me off to no end. It really does. Really does. We're going to move into something a little... I don't know if you want to call it more lighthearted. It's not. But it's, it's, it's... Everybody's leaking. There's all these leaks and information coming out everywhere, Frank. I'm leaking right now. Are you? What are you leaking? Don't tell I me it's leftover from our Friday show. No. Oh. <laughs> 
It's either that or I'm on some television drug. It was Bennett. It was Ken Bennett. Thank you. Thank you to the person in the chat uh, who said that. Also, um, <laughs> I can't. If you missed the show on Friday, go back. If you, if you missed the show on Friday, then keep missing it. Yeah, right? He left it in, by the way. He thought it was funny. <laughs> our producer for our audio podcast, I told him, if you think we should take this little end section out here, please feel free. And he's like, nope. So it's glad I can contribute to dark to light stayed in. Um, okay. We have Steve friend, good friend of the show. Steve friend is releasing the OPR files on truth social. The OPR files are the leaked internal OPR announcements from the FBI that state what FBI agents have done wrong versus what their punishment was oh now this is gonna be interesting it's interesting all right so what this means is that these guys who who were agents of the highest order doing their job the right way dedicated to the constitution and you know just the like what you'd want in the fbi who refused to trample all over americans rights who stood up for bodily autonomy for all the things they have been put on they're in, in the OPR. Kyle Serafin released his call with the woman. If you haven't heard that, you would probably really like that one. Didn't, I, didn't we, we? We played that. We played some of it. Yeah. It, it's good. It's, it's, it's good. So they're in OPR hell. And the way that they screw these guys over is they, they, they discipline them. They suspend them without pay. And they don't come to a determination on what their remedy or punishment will be until years later. So they can't get jobs anywhere else in the interim because they're still technically hired by the FBI, but the FBI is not paying them and they can't go get jobs elsewhere. Can you believe that? Yes. I wish the answer to that was no, but it, I mean. Yes, because it's not, it's, not it's not the most shocking thing I've heard in, uh, in the last hour <laughs> okay so let's go through some of these sexual harassment frank during lengthy uh tdy employee invited co-worker to hotel room to discuss co-workers desire to transfer from current division to another division oh yes that sounds like a, a very appropriate place for this meeting just Let's look. talk about your career. I'll, uh, <laughs> my, my bedroom is located on the fourth floor of the Carlisle. Let's talk about your career. Employee <laughs> then made an unwanted sexual advance, including unwanted, unwelcome physical contact. As if you didn't know that was going to happen when you went to the hotel room meeting. I honestly would never do that. Never. I'd be like, there's a lobby. Nobody yeah, can hear I'll, us. I'll meet you in the whiskey bar downstairs in the lobby. Right. So it, and, if, and, and, if, and if it moves to the hotel room afterwards, it's because we both know what we're doing. It's not to discuss my promotion or move or whatever. Um, right. He says here, or, or the, the report says, it appeared that employees offer to assist with transfer was conditioned on or related to their having sex. Surprise! 
Coworker left employee's hotel room. Fearing further harassment or reprisal, coworker departed the TDY early prior to completion of the assignment. In mitigation, employee has more than 20 years of FBI service and no prior disciplinary history. In aggravation, employee has extensive supervisory experience for which he has held to a higher standard of conduct. His behavior harmed the FBI's reputation and negatively impacted the assignment. What do you think the punishment was? Okay. I, I don't want to make jokes. I actually want to. Uh, tra- tra- uh, I, less than a transfer to another department. Was it like a, a week paid? What? what? 60 day suspension. So, paid? It doesn't say. Because uh, two months without pay could, you know, that, that hurts a little bit. He's but, obviously um, been in the bureau for like 30, 20, 25, 30 years. He's a supervisor. Oh yeah. That's right. If that's you right. think that's the first time that happened, listen to this one. At least this one resulted in something serious. Employee viciously attacked wife, including placing her in a chokehold, dropping her on the ground and kicking her in the face. Employee also acted unprofessionally at work by screaming at coworkers, causing several of them to refuse to work with employee. In mitigation, employee suffers from PTSD. In aggravation, employee's assault was exceedingly violent. He left his wife lying on their driveway with a black eye and a concussion. This was the second time employee assaulted his wife, though the first time was not reported to the FBI. Both incidents- My God. Yeah, both incidents occurred occurred in front of employee's small children. <clears throat> dismissed what? oh okay uh did he go to jail Subse- uh, I, I don't know dismissed is the should be the least of it obviously you're not uh you should not ever be allowed to come into work if you're abusive to everybody around you nobody wants to work with you but uh, he should be in jail now the wow. actual thing that they put down under recommendations or under, you know, it's the breaking of a law. Like it's, he has a law listed in his, in his, I, I would think that they would want to do something about that. Um, this one is particularly poignant because if you remember Kyle, Kyle is on OPR right now because of an interaction he had with a police officer in the desert in New Mexico while he was taking target practice on land that, you're allowed to take target practice on. And a cop was called because the sound was traveling to a nearby school. And Kyle interacted with this police officer in a very professional, upstanding way. So now he's on suspension without pay for that. Because he- I remember you talking about that. Yeah. The, uh, it being supposedly illegal to, you, you, nobody on school grounds should ever hear a gunshot from many miles away. If that were to happen, it's illegal. You can go to jail. Yeah. Because they heard it. Apparently. So this one, after a misdemeanor misuse of position, weapon safety violation, unprofessional conduct. That's this one. After an evening of drinking and while walking to a bus stop, employee urinated in the bushes. Approaching police officer informed employee it was a crime to urinate in public and asked him to move along. Didn't, lucky you, most people get arrested for that. Yeah, I know. I, I, was, I was given a summons. <laughs> I was going to summons once. I, I I needed it was it was dark 
Okay, there was no reason why I was coming home from a Halloween party, my buddy, uh, our basis Halloween party, and uh, I pulled over somewhere near Salesian High School, and it was dark at night, and you know everybody was already, it was after eleven o'clock. I had I was not going to make it back home. I had to pull over and do this, so I went into Salesian High School, went behind a bush, and there's a cop car hanging out right there. And I'm like, oh man. So I had to, I don't know, I got a summons, it sucked. And the best part was I got to the courthouse and I didn't have a lawyer or anything like that. But it, as I'm waiting to go on in there, I saw a familiar face. It was one of my, uh, my, my current, I think it was my current at that point, Little League players' fathers. Oh, geez. Who was a lawyer, like oh, a public Oh, did he defender. help you? Yeah, he's like, he's like, hey, Frank, what are you doing here? I said, uh, public urination. <laughs> <laughs> so I told him all about it. He said, "He said, come in with me. I'll, I'll, I'll help you out." And he got it reduced to like twenty five dollar fine, and and uh, don't ever do it again. And I was like, "I said, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joe." Better put his kid on first. Then went, then, yeah. Then I went to baseball practice. Well, um, here we go. Okay, employee responded by yelling profanities at police officer. Police officer responded by arresting employee for public urination. Police officer noted that employee was extremely intoxicated and armed with bureau weapon. Employee continued to be belligerent. In mitigation, employee has positive service record and no prior disciplinary matters. In aggravation, employee is a supervisor and as such held to a higher standard. Employee's actions reflected poorly on the FBI. So he was arrested for public urination, screaming at a cop while having his bureau weapon on him, drunk off his ass. What was his what was his penalty? Uh less than the 60 day uh less than the 60 days for the uh, domestic assault, for sure. Yeah, well, the domestic assault guy got fired, but Oh yeah, yeah. The, the 60 days was the sexual nonsense. Okay. 21 day suspension. 21 day suspension and Kyle I, I, I think we're seeing some intel some at least some logical consistency it doesn't matter it's like the Overton window is still too shifted over to the crazy but at least we're seeing a uh, <laughs> step down you know. <laughs> um yeah then I have one more we have one more this one was also pretty bad employee exchanged sexually suggestive text messages with the confidential human source they're screwing their spies. Oh, come, come on! You know, you've I, got oh. Swalwell. You've got all these people. Yeah, that's not out of. That's not. That's not crazy. Of course, they're doing that. You know, you develop a relationship with folks. Sometimes you get a little. You're uh, so brave. You want me to take you? You want to? You want to relax a little? Oh, you're doing such great work for the the bureau. Let me give you a massage. <laughs> when confronted by significant other slash coworker, it, this could be Lisa Page for all we. know. How you feeling today, babe? Her coworker is is her significant other. It looks like to me. Employee admitted having a sexual relationship with the confidential human source. Employee advised significant other slash coworker that employee had self-reported to his super, to supervisor. In actuality, employee had not reported to supervisor, but rather had used an FBI database not intended for reporting misconduct, and even still wasn't truthful in reporting the extent and nature of the relationship with the source. In aggravation, employee's relationship with the source lasted several years. 
Employee failed to take responsibility for his misconduct. Employee minimized his actions. And employee showed an overall pattern of deceitful conduct incompatible with continued employment. What, what, what's the next thing you're going to tell me? They say, well, we have a, a two-week suspension of a FBI agent for having an inappropriate relationship with a CPR dummy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for you to tell me all the inanimate objects, inanimate objects they are trying to have sex with now next. I... I he was this person was dismissed so the opr files will continue i mean we have more weapon safety violations unprofessional i mean we, there's plenty of them and usually people don't get to see that stuff so comparing this with the actual whistleblowers who should be in whistleblower protection this is what's happening to them they're they're in this big opr investigation for having a conversation with a police officer in new mexico now move right along ready yes the chat the chat on both rumble and getter is hysterical i'm just letting everybody know that twitter files part four frank did you follow along with this on friday i was reading through part three okay part three was you were reading through uh, part three as part four dropped yeah well yeah it, it was happening it was happening on Friday night. By the time it was all done, it was a six, like a 60 tweet thread. Yep. Let me see. The removal of Donald Trump January. Yeah, it was a January 6th thing that we were starting with three. So I have to read the rest of three and four today. Yeah, you need to, you need to get on this because this one, in my opinion, it's just, it's terrible. They go back and forth trying to massage their way into a ban for Trump, just based sheerly on their snotty, entitled, fascist opinion of what people can and can't say. And he goes, I mean, the- That's what I, that's what I did read, that it was more so about not taking uh, January 6th, the innocuous comments of January 6th and having to try to twist that around to make it a, um, the worst thing that's ever been uttered on the internet. But uh, it, it was also a, a clearly about applying the lens through which they have seen everything that he's ever said to the overall picture here. Uh, so so you're, you're taking people who are are just looking at the world through snot colored glasses and um, and applying this crap to, to be able to to to, to take the heads of state Anybody. out of the public. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, it's terrible. And, and you know, they, they, they would, even if, like, they, even if you didn't do anything wrong, you hadn't broken their terms of service, and they didn't like you, they would, like, hold you in a certain container and then make judgments on anything you said in the future to make determinations on whether or not they should de-amplify you, ban you, get rid of It was just, it's disgusting. The only thing I don't like about this thread and these people that are covering these threads Taibi, who's great, Barry Weiss, this guy, Michael Schellenberger, they're still not informed and awake enough that they truly understand what's going on. Like, they say certain things that lead me to believe that they really don't fully get it yet, but they're close. Does that make sense? It's either that or they have all talked with each other uh, to be on the same page as slow walking this for people. But I, I don't know, I tend to think it might be the former, that they, they just might still be too naive about how bad things are 
because um, I, I still understand Elon Musk. I, and who well, really does? You know, there's more of him coming today too. I've got a lot. I know, but and, and I and I understand why he would pick. It's actually very smart to pick people like this. Yes. You yeah. know, it is. It's a smart move. Um, that in itself, you you don't you don't get the opportunity to attack the messenger so much. They're doing it yeah. anyway, but yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not as effective as say you know giving it to someone like Uncover DC or Breitbart or like right. the Federalist or something. Yeah, no, yeah. understood. I get that, but the problem I have with it is this. Roth immediately DMs a colleague to ask that they add stop the steal and QAnon conspiracy term Kraken to a blacklist of terms to be deamplified. Kraken had literally nothing to do with QAnon. Like that had nothing to do with it at all. The fact that this dude is saying that like makes you don't know what you're talking about at that point. You're just in that sort of like train of, you know, everything that I don't like is a QAnon conspiracy theory. And whatever the hell that is, they they, they wouldn't be able to define that either. These right. are just terms that come up in their in their in their group uh, therapy sessions. Yes. And he he does that more than I mean, I don't know if he does that the way he says it is though is as though he is labeling it that and that's what the accepted understanding of it is but yoel roth in his message call it a q term the daylight separating q and stop the steal stuff is now effectively zero like yoel roth is deciding that q stuff is anything that they don't agree with and stop the steal now they're all one thing there's nothing separating QAnon and stop the seat. That's just lazy fascist nonsense. And it's it's nonsense. And you know yeah. what else? They're they're blurring, they're censoring out somebody in here that I guess still works there, I'd have to assume. But they this thread was probably the one that I was shocked the most by. Um, they say it turns out even blacklisting Kraken is less straightforward than they thought because Kraken, in addition to being a QAnon conspiracy theory based on the mythical Norwegian sea monster, that just proves to everyone you're a moron. My, I'm sorry. Like, Michael Schellenberger, you need to go back to school. You're not ready. Michael Schellenberger's not ready yet. He's not cooked. You know, I, I, there's also things there too that I, I appreciated to a certain degree. For example, for an audience that is just getting their first introduction to this, um, I thought that the Brownstone Institute was very, they do good work, um, even though they are staffed by a lot of, you know, center left leaning uh, people, not all of them, but, but some of them. And they've been very fair about a lot and they have concise writing on the subject and they they um said something incredible uh because i think it points to the greater story that twitter right now as it is objectively speaking is the only platform that is not in the world that is not com completely in the hands and the control of intelligence sharing operations and when people people are just starting to think wow uh well, this is this is incredible. It looks like the FBI and the NSA, or whatever the hell's going on, yeah. CIA. Uh, you said this is actually small beans. I I said it on Friday. I wish that this was 
the be all end all with Silicon Valley. But once you start learning about things like five eyes, oh yeah, nine eyes, you know, how we're all helping other countries violate the civil rights of their citizens and they doing that to us on our country's behalf. I mean, it's it's a good intro and I hope that they keep going. They need, they need to, there's more coming. I mean, there's a lot more coming. Like you need to read through this thread if you haven't already, because they're, they're going back and forth on what they should ban and blah, blah, blah. Talking with the, um, the DNI, the, the, you know, the, the FBI, um, the state department, all of the CISA, they're talking to all these and they're, they're basically this thread proves they interfered in the 2020 election. What happens to people like that, Frank? That was, you know, and, and the whole Kraken thing was only because Sidney Powell said, release the Kraken. That's why everybody glommed onto that because she was one of the attorneys prosecuting or trying to prosecute the 2020 election fraud. And she said, release the Kraken. That's right. it. It's that simple. That's it's where like, it came it's, from. It's like saying, come on, it's go time. Oh, go, uh, don't do that, Frank. Why? What's go time mean? It's a QAnon conspiracy theory that, well, it will be obviously if you say it out loud. Crazy right wing extremists. I, I'm just saying, Kraken. What does Kraken mean? Oh, it's well, a then sea creature. Yeah, yeah. And well, it, for example, Donald Trump when he says something like, "We need to fight, fight, fight." I mean, how how many times you've been to a pep rally? How many times you've watched any uh, political rally on television? Or or it doesn't matter who the hell the the candidate is. We need to fight and no. blah blah blah. It, but only when certain people say right. it, it's a call to violence. Right. Like, look at Maxine Waters, Eric Holder, all of them. There's a whole compilation of these idiots who have done the same thing. Like, literally tell people to engage in violent behavior. Literally tell people to get out into the streets. Literally, like, come on. We know we're living in an upside down world. But this threat is really good. Now, there, there's a lot here. We're not going to go through it all because time is running. However, this, this. This is, I want back on the plot. I'm still, everybody, all of us out there are still permanently suspended and the time is running out, Elon. I'm giving you another week most before I start losing my shit. Not like it matters, but it's annoying. Elon yesterday tweeted, my pronouns are prosecute Fauci. Yeah. And then he was attacked by that, by people for that. Um, Hold on. That said, where'd it go? Where'd it go? I had it. Anyway, he was attacked by someone for saying that. He was attacked by them. He was like, please don't bring further. They were like, please don't bring further hate along the mis- uh, the marginalized communities that blah, blah, blah. And Elon Musk basically came back and said, no, forcing someone to use pronouns when they didn't ask for them is kind of screwed up and Fauci was responsible for the death of millions of people. And he said that, and he's sure. right. Sorry. I mean, and, and, and COVID is not his first go around at killing many people. No. Remember Fauci, uh, don't don't forget all the other things that people got a, an, a, an education on for the first time the last few years, especially when it even goes back to all of those, uh, those orphanages that were funded by, uh, funded by by organizations that uh, that he controlled that were were testing AIDS uh, black box AIDS medication on orphans in in the Upper West Side, not Upper West Side, uh, Washington Heights and all that. So this is not his first go around at the carnage. No, they don't they don't 
they don't care. I mean, and they know it cares. And you know the fact that Twitter, because there's a, the COVID files are coming next. That's like the next installment of the Twitter files are all the things about COVID. So that's going to be an interesting one to see. Um, but this all dovetails very neatly into Missouri v. Biden because it's the whole crux of the lawsuit, whether or not the the government is working with social media companies and or pressuring them, which we know they have, to censor Americans' speech. Yes, they have been. Yes, they are. It is the, every time that one of these threads comes out, it's proven again and again, and that wins the case. It wins it. Like, you can't, you can't even question... Like, if Missouri goes to Twitter and says, I need discovery with these terms, please... They're going to get all this stuff too. Twitter's just releasing it proactively, which I think is great. And they need to continue doing. Oh, my back is killing me. But what does Congress do about this, Frank? Do you think they have a place? I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I don't know. Because the, the, the biggest problem is uh, not so much what Elon Musk is doing on a place like Twitter, Um that's just causing a lot of people to be butt hurt for all the reasons that we it's rhetorical. The real thing that Congress should have oversight on is what federal bureaus are doing that they should not be doing. Congress should disband the FBI. They should disband all of this real quick, everybody. But they that that won't happen. That'll never happen, right? You don't even have uniform a political uniformity across Congress and the White House. Even if they did, it wouldn't happen. Well, the, but th- that, that's the real problem here. What they do, Frank, and you're right. Well, I mean, I guess they could have. You could explain what you mean when you say political uniformity. Well, I'm talking about there's no. You have Republicans that are about to assume the House, and then you're going to have a. Uh, you're going to have Democrats taking. Uh, taking a little bit more firm hold in the Senate. And then you have Joe Biden in there for two more years. So yeah, it it doesn't matter. Um, nobody's going to come together on that on that issue and really clean up what the problem is, which is there's no separating Silicon Valley from, from a very politically pointed and agenda driven um, national security state. There's there not, there's nothing separating any of that stuff the congress is beholden to it the congress is actually the least the least influential and powerful part of our government mm-hmm. it's, it's it's really the intelligence just, community now it's, that's it's pr everybody in congress why do you think that they have they do all these ridiculous uh, continuing resolutions these these omnibus packages that are completely illegal because if they actually debated and they actually voted on individual bills all, all all day long. They'd have no time to carouse with lobbyists, and they'd have no time to carouse with the media. They'd actually be working. You know, that's what they say. Oh, I'll put it all together. Yeah, there you go. Five trillion dollars. Now let's let's go back on MSNBC. They they should actually like all come together on this one. But what ends up happening, Frank, in these hearings is that the 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 left coalesces around stricter regulation on tech companies and big tech companies. And the right doesn't want to lose the money that they're getting from big tech companies. So <laughs> that's basically one that ends up happening. Nothing. But Ro Khanna is a Democrat. And this clip is here from Citizen Free Press that I thought we might listen to about what his opinion is about what's going on with Twitter. Thank you for doing what you did. The entire country thanks you. What prompted you to write that note to the leadership of Twitter? 
Thank you, Maria, but I don't think what I did was anything exceptional. I was just standing up for our Constitution and for our First Amendment. It is wrong to censor newspapers. It is wrong to censor journalists. Look, the New York Post hasn't written a kind thing about me in my six years in Congress. Uh, they're a conservative uh, point of view paper. But that doesn't mean that you can stop uh, publishing their pieces or articles or censor their journalists from sharing stories. So it just offended the basic principles that our country is based on. And those principles have been broken over the last few years. Uh, Congressman, I want to get your take on the road ahead. What do you want to see to ensure that America's freedom and liberty stay in place? Well, I've said I'm open to hearings in Congress on this. Look, there are two competing values. On the one hand, we don't want censorship. We don't want to have people uh, censored or boxed out, shadow boxed and removed from Twitter because of their viewpoint. On the other hand, we do want respect. I mean, we don't want accounts that are filled with anti-Semitism no. or just spewing racism or hate on these accounts. And I think Congress should have a honest, thoughtful conversation about how we uphold both of those values. So uh, he's the one who was found in the Twitter files writing to Twitter to what her name, what's her name is, uh, saying you really shouldn't be doing this. You probably are going to have a big problem on your hands. It's not good to censor people. Stop it. So he was uh, good. That's great. We're not going to agree on everything, Roe. But you said a bunch of stuff I can agree with, and you're not on my side of the political spectrum. You you actually value the Constitution. That's all that I care about. Unbelievable. At least, at least parts of it. At least, well, the parts that don't offend him. Yes. <laughs> Can't be offended, Frank. Can't. There's another thread that I want to talk about really quickly, and, and we have to sadly end a little early today. But it's by this guy, Joshua Steinman. And Wendy's going to have a column about this. Did you hear about, like, last week, I think we briefly talked about how the North Carolina power grid was shot, like, certain places. Yes. So this guy, Joshua Steinman, is NSC, used to work for the Trump administration in the energy sort of sector and does this big thread about how something definitely is going on. This is not the first power plant that or power station that was attacked. There was one in... Um, there was one in Washington, a couple in Florida, uh, Wisconsin, Arizona. There, there's a bunch of them. In Florida specifically, one, two, three, four, six substations were targeted in Florida. And the North Carolina substation that was targeted is right outside of Fort Bragg. Like right on the edge of it. Um, he thinks that they're, they're, they're in the middle of a four-phase op. Surveillance is the first phase. Planning is the second phase. Attack is the third phase. Phase Exfiltration is the last phase. They all take time. Prep seems to have resulted in attacks against soft targets with low defensive postures. I, I had seen my friend Grace do a little bit of a roundup of, of this trend that's going on with power. I, I, I did not know how, how it was outside of the South Carolina with the physical bullets. North Carolina. I did not, I didn't know about this stuff. Oh, really? And no, I didn't. And I was wondering, because obviously this is in itself is a story. It's very curious, but what's been going on? Has there been any new developments with all food processing plants? There was another one 
that was attacked just recently. That was, inc- that was an incredible thing this year. Yeah, we we followed that. We And then it kind of like settled down for a while. But then last week there was another one that was attacked. I forget exactly where it was. Or not, I can't even say that. I shouldn't say attacked. There was another one that burnt down. Whether or not that was purposeful is it for you to decide. It's nuts because we've already had cyber polygon. We've already been told that the 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 digital pandemic is going to be a bad one whenever it arrives. So it's a card you know that they have up the sleeve. They've also done a a follow up pretty much a new uh, a new event two zero one. You saw this. Um, I didn't look into it yet, but I saw it come across. Yeah, it's a it's a it's it's uh, happened again. And this time they are talking about an endovirus that is speci- that is particularly deadly to children. And uh, I, I mean, this is just a couple of weeks after the G20, where you have everybody talking uh, about future pandemics with such great certainty and and what we need uh, in place to validate people's um, vaccination status so that the whole world doesn't have to be locked down. Just certain oh, just, disobedient people. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I don't, I, man. What kind I don't of children? Know. Young children? That's what they're talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about a little bit tonight uh, if I can get, if I can get this uh, whittled down to like the key points, but I'm seeing this stuff popping up and popping off again. And, you know, they're all terrible people. But when they say things like this, well, hold on. Um, Johns Hopkins Center for Health, Security, and Partnership with the WHO and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation oh, how nice. conducted catastrophic contagion, a pandemic tabletop exercise at the Grand Challenges Annual Meeting in Brussels on October 23rd of this year. Didn't even know about it. Uh, the exercise simulated a series of WHO emergency health advisory board meetings addressing a fictional pandemic set in the near future. Participants grappled with how to respond to an epidemic located in one part of the world that then spread rapidly, becoming a pandemic with a higher fatality rate than COVID-19 and disproportionately affecting children and young people. Just... Take note when the psychopaths talk. I don't even know what to say. Unbelievable. You know what sucks about that? I know you got to go. What sucks about that is um, the the early goings of COVID-19, the early goings, like we're talking January, January and February of 2020. I know that we we were starting... We were starting to pay attention December, yeah, you know, from what was coming out overseas. But January, February, when everybody started being, because impeachment was winding down, yep. so everybody was being prepped for the new thing. Okay, they're just transitioned into the new thing so perfectly, and it took us until about maybe April, late April, May, to start realizing everything we needed to know. The fatality rate was nowhere near what they said it was going to be, that the protocols based on what doctors and and nurses and hospitals were telling us was probably the most deadly thing about the virus. And that there were um, there were uh, uh, therapies and things that people can go and try that were working that we didn't have. We we can the figuring that out process sucks because whatever the hell they're going to come out with next. You don't know what's going to happen to you. 
if you get and it. You don't, and you don't know what the you don't know what the um, what the combos, the protocols to actually help outside of a I have, system. That, I have literally zero issue staying in my house. Finally. Me too. At this point, I don't <laughs> oh care anymore. God. Don't care. I will keep my kids at my house. I will stay at my house. I I will I will. That's okay. I'm good with it. I know that sounds crazy, but whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> just. <laughs> I'll keep an eye on this though, and I'll send you some stuff. Yeah, please do. I don't like to get f afraid of things or like think things are definite or anything like that. And I know you're not saying it is, but it, it's just an I, like I try not even to think about stuff like that because you know what? If we're all gonna die, we're all gonna die, Frank. And we might as well just enjoy our damn selves while we're here. That's all. Yes. Just have fun, guys. That's all I can say. Um, all right, so I'll be on Emerald later. Um, you have been listening to the Dark to Light podcast with Frankie Val on the drums and Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. And also listen to us live Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8.30 a.m. on Rumble and Getter. And you can catch Frank's show live nightly at what time? 6.30? 7. 7 o'clock. you got to come on and do a... Um, a nutshelling of the the Missouri v. Biden okay, case. Okay, I will. I will. People, yeah, because people need to, yeah, understand it. Okay, sounds good to me. Anyway, we'll be back here on uh, Wednesday. Later. Later.